You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Even though we got a little taste of winter this weekend, we're still all about the fall sports on Midco SN, especially when it comes to UND athletics. Stay tuned for live coverage of UND hockey, football, and volleyball this month, plus the return of North Dakota Hockey Central on Friday nights. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome back for another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, taping this on Monday, October the 14th, episode 10 of the new season, alongside UND Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Heinert. Bill, a, a nicer day today in our region, as opposed to what we saw this past weekend. It feels a little too early. October the 14th seems a little too early to be experiencing half a foot of snow and 60-mile-an-hour blizzard-like condition winds. But here, here we are. That's where we are sometimes, and you just and you just live through it, don't you? You do. I I uh, wasn't even mid October, so that made it really um, difficult. And uh, you know, we always have teams that are either on the road, obviously, um, and so that presents challenges. And then uh, obviously, you have uh, teams that are coming to you as well. So uh, you know, and, and as we learned last year, uh, and probably many years before, is where we're situated. Obviously, storms sometimes are coming, let's just say, from the west. And, you know, so a a school such as a Denver could get impacted first, and then all of a sudden it heads heads to us, and now we're we're dealing with the same storm. And so, you know, it's tough to get out of an airport sometimes, tough to land at an airport. And uh, obviously, the other thing we, we found out, Alex, was charters, you know, it's air travel. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's convenient for sure, but, uh, you're still under the, the, the same guise of trying to get uh, aircrafts in and aircrafts out. The middle portion of the week for you, I'm sure. And the rest of the athletic department was pretty crazy knowing this storm was coming. And as you mentioned, you know, Denver is supposed to come in for a volleyball game on Friday. That of course did not end up happening because of weather issues football, hockey, every everything that was going on this weekend, this storm really played a huge role in, in affecting pretty much every. It kind of had its fingers on everything. Talk me through just the process of making some of these decisions, maybe even starting with the volleyball game that, that should have happened Friday that did not with the Denver Pioneers. Yeah, we got word on Thursday that they were going to struggle to get out of DIA. And so once that happened, you have to be really realistic at this point. Okay, can can they make it in uh, the next day? And the next day, we were going to get significant uh, precipitation and snowfall. And so you knew it was going to be almost impossible to get here. And as we all have traveled before, when there's when there's weather, is to rebook and to actually get the number of seats if you're not chartering is close to impossible. And so you almost have to start from zero again and then figure out what people's schedules are. And, you know, for a Denver, they were playing in Fargo on Sunday and then having to go to Omaha for a match on Tuesday. We're we're recording on a Monday, so it's actually tomorrow. We're playing North Dakota State on Tuesday. So sometimes it just doesn't fit. I mean, it's one thing if maybe you're a bus ride away. But when you're actually dealing then with air travel, that's when it gets tricky. And so you're right. Almost you take them in steps. You take them like uh, there's not much you can do until the actual weather occurs. And then you start working out, you know, potential possibilities for 
postponement, alternative dates, and then you just take them almost sport by sport. And that's what we did last week. Yeah, ironic that this is the second year in a row this has happened for the volleyball team against Denver. Last year, of course, UND was down in Tulsa and couldn't get to Denver because of a variety of issues. This year, it's kind of the opposite. But the hope, by the way, is that maybe there'll still be the opportunity to play this game, but there's a possibility that it just might not work out in the schedule, correct? Well, we're, we're working that through at this point in time, literally in real time. And so, uh, knock on wood, hopefully we'll have some information here in the not-so-distant future. This is something you've got to work through with your opposition and with the uh, with the Summit League as well. Be. Yeah, and and then from there, you know, it, it would sometimes seem like it's it's not that difficult, but when you're dealing with officials and and then facility availabilities and whether it fits into both teams' uh, schedule, there's just a lot of pieces to it. So knock on wood, hopefully uh, we'll have a good announcement here in the not-so-distant future. Mm, complicated. Complicated stuff. Uh, similar. Speaking of complicated, obviously the football team had a complicated situation on Friday as well, figuring out if they could fly out of Grand Forks to make it to Pocatello, Idaho for the game against Idaho State. And it looked like that was maybe going to be the plan until about mid-morning, and then that just it wasn't going to be a possibility. And so uh, when you are in the midst of some of these conversations with your staff and you're trying to think about creative ways to get a team to a place, you know, when... When did the conversation shift to like, all right, we need to bust these guys someplace else, which ultimately ended up being the call that you made on Friday? Yeah, so, you know, Eric Martinson and Kyle Doporalski did a great job of trying to work through some scenarios. I think what you're trying to do is just get multiple scenarios. And you're saying, well, scenario A is leaving from Grand Forks. I mean, you know, uh, that's that's number one. Now, if that can't happen, you know, this particular storm seemed to be more of the rain variety, the more east you got. And so that's why it made Bemidji a possibility. Now, the challenging part to that was you never know where the charter, the aircraft is coming from. Well, that one was coming from Brownsville, Texas, that had to then go to Minneapolis to pick up the crew. And that's where we got kind of, I'll say, held up a little bit because to go into a major airport when you're unexpected, it's like getting an extra guest at a sold out banquet. You've got to figure out, okay, seats for 10. I've got a group of four coming in. Are we going to have them split up and go 11s or maybe one bring in another table? I mean, those are the types of things you're looking at. And so really, so to go to Minneapolis is really the, the, the piece of the puzzle that probably made it delayed as much as it did. Because then going to Bemidji and Bemidji to Pocatello wasn't the issue. It was really getting in and getting the flight crew. And so, you know, I, obviously you just do what you can do. And, um, you know, I, I think you can't get too caught up in it. Obviously, there's, I believe, to some degree, always an effect. I mean, there's no doubt, no excuse but there's certainly an effect. And so, um, but that's just part of it. That's part of going on the road. And that's why, you know, you see um, teams even, you know, uh, that have, you know, great home records. You know, there's a lot of distractions, so to speak, that get eliminated when you're playing at home. That's why home field advantage, especially in months like this and in situations like this, is a real thing. 
And we'll talk about we'll talk about how it kind of came to fruition a little bit here in, in, in just a moment. One of the other things that uh, I want to touch on in terms of the winter weather and how this affected things for you and for the athletics department, obviously making the decision to cancel the fan luncheon. The university, of course, was closed on Friday as well. Hockey, thankfully, didn't have to worry about playing the game because Canisius had, had gotten in on Thursday before the weather got bad. But you also had to make some tough decisions about how do we staff the Ralph and, and asking people to come in from outside of town when everything to the north of Grand Forks, interstates closed up to the Canadian border. You know, 94 is closed from Bismarck to Fargo. Travel was not good. It was it was advised that you should just stay where you are. I think, first, first of all, I think the university did a great job. You guys did a great job saying... Don't don't come unless you live across the street. Maybe just watch this one on TV at home. Just be safe. But if you can come, let's reduce the ticket prices and we'll we'll make it ten dollars for the upper bowl. And it just seemed like you really took safety first, even in a situation where it's the home opener for the regular season and you want to kick things off with the bang. But you, you took priority there where it should have been taken. So I don't know. Kudos, kudos to you guys for making those decisions. Well, it, it, in real time, you're just trying to make good decisions about you're trying to factor in everything. And so you're right. I, so it was like three balls up in the air. I was talking at one point about volleyball. Then I had to stop that conversation and talk about football. And then we started talking about hockey, about what that's going to look like. The fan luncheon, made some sense just because if you can probably get folks off the road, if they don't need to be on the road, that made some sense. Uh, the university had closed. Uh, now, the tricky part to this is Canisius, our opponent, is traveled from Buffalo. So they're here, literally here um, in Grand Forks, along with the officials. And so I think the mindset then becomes what what happens if we don't play the game? Well, chances are you're probably not making it up. That's probably what's happening. Not that that is first and foremost. First and foremost is is safety and making sure folks understand that, you know, the game is on Midco. You can watch it if you want to from the comforts of your own home. But to get the team uh, a mile away from their hotel and the officials into the Ralph, and you've got both teams and the officials there – technically, that's what you really need, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what you need. And then I think, you know, obviously being in Grand Forks here, it's small enough that you can get from point A to point B, really where we were concerned with if you're coming from Devil's Lake or Minot or Bismarck or Fargo is, you know, you might want to think through whether or not you want to be in the Ralph or, or not. I think traveling around town, Alex, was fine, so yes. to speak, mm-hmm. but but I think it was actually beyond Grand Forks is what we were concerned about. Yeah, and so many of the fans do travel. I mean, this is a fan base that will come from two plus hours away. You know, that have season tickets easily. Yeah, as you mentioned, people come from Bismarck every weekends. People come from Minot. People come from all over the place. And I think uh, that's why, of course, Friday nights it's a seven thirty start time. You give people an extra half hour to get there to make that commute. But obviously a very smart choice to try and tell those people to maybe think twice about trying to push it when the weather was so bad. And it it didn't take away. Obviously, it was different to look out at the Ralph and not see every seat filled. That's what we're used to. And obviously, it was a little more sparse than normal. But still, great atmosphere and a pair of great games. And I think maybe now is a good chance to transition into the the actual play on the ice from this last week. It, hockey, obviously, starting off exhibition play last week with, with an impressive 5 nothing win. Looked good. 
or a 5-1, excuse me, over Manitoba last week. And they come back with a 5-0 victory on Friday and an 8-1 win on Saturday. Really impressive performance, especially against a team that, Canisius, obviously, we know what happened last year. They really wanted these games. UND really wanted these games. And for them to perform like they did, it was nice to see, certainly, this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, I, you know, to clean up the thought on, on the games itself is Jody and his staff did a great job. And, you know, we worked in concert and, you know, met after we were, you know, I, I knew we were in a pause mode with volleyball. I knew we weren't playing. Then I, I kind of felt as if we were, we've got football at least figured out as far as what their day is going to look like. And then really the execution had to happen and it it happened. It just was later than unfortunately that they were anticipating. And then, uh, and then we, we met, uh, I think it was 1130 in the morning and we met for, for quite a while trying to figure out some, um, some pieces of the puzzle uh, knowing that uh, it would be a unique game as far as how it was going to be put on. And I think, uh, you know, Jody and his staff and his experience is, uh, is, is really second to none. And so we were able to uh, figure that out. And I agree, Alex, I think, you know, we made some, some decisions to just open lots and to, 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 to not, how should I say, worry about some of the things that we normally worry about. And then, then the weather got better on Saturday and then we were back to, to kind of the normal routine, if you will. But yeah, the team, yeah, I, I'm not so, you know, the Canisius one, I, 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 I sure, you can look back and say, you know, from a, from a numerical standpoint, that might have been, you know, a difference maker next last year. And obviously it was, but there were other games that were difference makers too. And so I think our guys are just ready to, they were ready for the season. How about that? I think they were ready for the season, not even so much the opponent. They're ready for the season. And I, you know, th- I think they think there's an awesome opportunity ahead, you know, this upcoming week and then the subsequent weeks from there. So, yeah, but it was good to see, um, you know, a lot of guys getting on the score sheet. And that was, uh, you know, it, what I was impressed with was I thought our defense played extremely well and we had scoring coming from every line it just was uh and it really was spread out tremendously so uh that's exciting to see yeah i would say you mentioned everybody getting involved there were 21 skaters that took the ice over the two days for und 19 now have at least one point after two games obviously Canisius was picked to finish 11th in Atlantic hockey and and people don't have high expectations for that team, but they're certainly going to be a team in the mix in that conference and had skill. And you could see it a little bit. And for North Dakota to take care of business like that. Yeah. A good sign certainly for things to come. We've talked about, you know, either prognostications or not. And I think they're good because obviously it gets people, you know, generates interest in conversation, but we'll find out at the end what a Canisius team looks like. I mean, maybe the prognostication will be a hundred percent correct. I don't know, but I, I, I think almost flipped, like we said on the pod last week, in a weird way, that weekend kind of almost, in a, in a weird way, kind of stunted Canisius in a sense last year. You know, they, it took them a while to to get back in the win column after they had the huge weekend in, in, in early January. And so maybe this has the, the reverse effect in a sense is, uh, um, you know, I thought what, what, what um, Coach Large said after the game was, you know, it just we played – we just played um, the way we need to play and regardless of the opposition. And so um, it, it's exciting and we've got our work cut out for us heading to Mankato this week. 
Yeah, big series coming up Friday at 7, Saturday at 6. North Dakota, number 16 in the country. Minnesota State, number 2 after the events of the weekend in Duluth, pushing the Bulldogs down. Denver, by the way, the new number 1 in the latest USCHO.com poll. But a great matchup against the Minnesota State team that won the WCHA regular season and postseason tournament last year and basically retains pretty much their entire team from that group that was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year. As you said, a great opportunity. You think about pairwise points to go on the road and have a chance to beat a team that should be a top five team throughout the season in an NCAA tournament team. You couldn't ask for anything better, especially coming off two quality results back to back like UND has right now. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's a uh, it's a it's a heck of an opportunity for sure. We'll have our hands full, but uh, um, our guys will be up for it. And uh, just a uh, great way to start the season. And uh, you know, I, I know our fan base is excited about it. So so away we go. So uh, again, challenging games, but you know what? That's why that's why you play the schedule. It should be uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, good stuff. Again, Friday at seven, Saturday at six. I should ask you just because we're talking about Minnesota State. We had mentioned on an earlier pod, I think our first pod back after the summer, the WCHA changes with seven schools stating they were going to leave that conference, Minnesota State, kind of being one of the one of the teams, of course, in that mix, along with the likes of Bemidji and Bowling Green, et cetera. Any new news that you've heard in regards to that? Not at all. It, that's been <laughs> almost really quiet. It really has. And, you know, most of those things kind of circulate probably in Commissioner Fenton's office, honestly, is that, you know, I think that's kind of at that at that level, if you will. And, uh, um, you know, the next time, you know, we have our, our monthly calls, I'm sure we'll have a, a check in as far as the membership piece. Uh, but that's got to get resolved, you know, at some point, because, uh you know, obviously, um, they're not going to want to go with seven, so they're going to want to even it off at eight. And then the question becomes what happens with Huntsville and the two Alaska schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if this thing ends, uh, and with St. Thomas potentially now, who's looking for a, a spot? We'll see. From what I hear. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Things to circle back to in the future. Uh, so a couple of good wins for hockey. Uh, we talked about the football team, of course, and the nightmare of a travel day on Friday. They got into Pocatello, I think, 11 o'clock at night, and it was like 16 degrees. It was a one of the coldest October days in Idaho history in Pocatello. Like, just not, <laughs> you go from a winter storm to the kind of the, you know, sub-zero temperatures a little bit. And obviously, they, they play in a dome, so that wasn't an issue. But the guys came out on Saturday, look, scored on their first drive, looked great, moved the ball with these hold ISU to a field goal on their next possession after a big kickoff return, moved the ball right down again on UND's second offensive possession. And then penalties kind of started to take hold and the drive stalls. And then everything just really went downhill from there. It was such a, such a bizarre turn of events that seemed to just happen over the course of one offensive series. And the end result obviously was, it was a difficult and a disappointing defeat in the end. Yeah, it was like a spigot we couldn't shut off. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, we, we had a few good plays and then it, they'd get erased by, uh, you know, potentially some sort of a penalty or a, a false start would put us in a, in a more of a, a deficit or a hole. And on the defensive side, we'd, we'd get them off the field or even turn them over at times, but then maybe a late flag would keep them on the field. And so it really was a confluence of things that occurred that, that really you can't point to one thing other than the fact that Idaho state got on a roll and uh, you know, credit them. They, they got, they got going and they, they never looked back. And so um, yeah, it's been, been interesting, you know, so our football team right now sits at three and three after six weeks 
three and zero at home, zero and three on the road uh, against the defending national champion, defending national runner up, where there's a snowstorm for the first time since 1926, and then go to Pocatello, which normally should be an easy easy in and out flight and it just got you know uh kind of all balled up with the weather so we've had some interesting circumstances i'll say on the road but still at the end of it all um you know you got to figure out this why this week is 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 monumental on the road at cal poly i mean the way it all plays itself out after this week with three of the next four or the final four at home um obviously we've played well at home we've got to figure out this week uh in the worst way because uh it, it's a tremendous opportunity for us. Yeah, you go out to San Luis Obispo with a chance to get above 500 and, you know, four and three. And all of a sudden, as you mentioned, if you win your home games the rest of the way, that's a seven win team and you're back into very much the playoff picture in terms of consideration. If you lose this game, of course, then the opposite kind of happens. Now you pretty much have to win out to get to that seven win plateau. And that means winning on the road against Weber and beating a ranked Montana State team. And there's just, you just, like, especially too from a team morale standpoint, because it was, it was a demoralizing loss. They gave up over 600 yards of total offense and over 100 penalty yards against them. Just some tough things happened in that contest. Uh, but we talked to Bubba Schweigert earlier today, and just the, the sense that you get is they are ready to quickly turn the page and try and galvanize this group and really emphasize the fact that even though this was a bad loss, we can't let this loss derail our season because there is still plenty of season left and plenty of opportunity to get where they want to be. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of looking at it, Alex. I, you know, you don't ever want one loss affect the next week and make it two losses. But at the end of the day, though, too, obviously, I, I'm sure Coach feels as if there's things to be cleaned up uh, because we're gonna we're gonna face a a, a really difficult. Cal Poly offense that always is, uh, it, it just, you just don't see it uh, yeah. all that much. And so to prepare for it is always challenging too, right? How do you prepare for something that you don't run yourself? Or quite frankly, how many run in the country? Maybe Kennesaw runs it. I, there's, a, there's a handful that maybe run it. So at the end of the day, the option is going to be interesting this week. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully knock on wood, uh, you know, Travel will be okay across two time zones. We'll see. Yeah. And uh, I haven't even looked at the weather ahead. I know we're playing a five o'clock game local time, so seven o'clock central time, and uh, have not even looked at the weather at this point. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be beautiful out there. You would, you would assume, you would imagine. I would have thought it would have been nice and cheeny. <laughs> Me too. That's that's why I signed up for that trip. Well, and then I heard 1926, you know, yeah. really, I mean, that's where we got to. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, certainly no one's, no one was excited uh, about, you know, what transpired on Saturday and, uh, you know, at three and three with five left, uh, you know, things are still out in front of us, but, um, you know, like most uh, schools and teams, uh, you know, you got to get, you, you yourself have to get better. And, uh, and that's what we need to do this week. Yeah. By the way, 75 and sunny. Saturday in San Luis Obispo. So, so that, so that's okay. So that'll be all right. That's what it says today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Alex, Alex, Alex. (laughs) Uh, We'll keep our fingers crossed. That's right. Uh, 
Cool. Well, a good chance for football coming up this week on the road. Uh, let's switch to women's soccer, who was just on the road. A pair of road games going east, so no issues with travel or with weather. And, and a pair of big 1-0 wins over Purdue-Fort Wayne and Western Illinois. North Dakota now tied with South Dakota State atop the Summit League league with nine points, 9-4-1 nine, and one overall. That ties the record for most D1 wins that they set last year. And this, this team really finding a bit of a groove now in Summit League play. Uh, we can make out just finding the way to get the job done in these narrow wins. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they took uh, Megan Wright's uh, goal yesterday against uh, Western and then Mimi Iden's goal on Thursday. And Catherine Klein has been uh, just a stalwart in goal. And so, uh, yeah, I I think if you had Chris Logan on the pod right now, I, I would think he might be surprised uh, really kind of the score line, so to speak, you know, I mean, I don't think this is maybe what he expected, but you never know how the team is going to mature through the season. And we've, we've really found a way to uh, do a great job uh, keeping uh, teams off the board and playing great defense with a lot of, a lot of players that again, I think in their club days before coming to college were really forwards. And so, uh, so really it's exciting to see where we're at right now. And, you know, I'm going to guess what happened. Halfway through the summit with nine points, it puts us in pretty good mathematical shape right now. Yes, in a great spot. Fantastic spot right now. So there are eight games in the conference regular season, you know, midway through. Last year, 13 points made the conference tournament. You needed 13 to make the top four. Every year, it's always different. But just like in the EPL, you always talk about 40 points means you're safe from relegation. Typically, 12 to 13, you're going to give yourself a chance. That means you've won half your games. That's going to give you a shot to be top four. And UND is already three-fourths of the way, basically, to kind of that benchmark with four games and you know a possible 12 points to go. And they'll be home for, for a number of those games on the way, including a game this week on Thursday at 3 o'clock against Oral Roberts. Um, you mentioned Catherine Klein, by the way. Shout out to her back-to-back shutouts. She tied and then broke the program record for most clean sheets. Again, fantastic stuff for a young lady that had to miss all of last season with injury. Great to see her back as a senior. And we, we've talked about her a lot in the podcast, but career leader in shutouts now for UND Women's Soccer. Great stuff there. Yeah, it should be. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, you know, four teams make the uh, tournament. So once you make it, boy, in this sport, more than ever, right? I mean, it, it's it's a fluke goal here or something happens and you just got to get in and uh, give yourself a chance. Yeah, so best of luck to the ladies on Thursday at three against Oral Roberts. Or are you, by the way, in eighth place in the standings? But they have tied Denver, who's the reigning tournament champion, and North Dakota State, who also was a top four team last year. So a, a tricky, defensive-minded Oral Roberts team coming up here. So a good good test. Be sure to get out and support that team coming up Thursday at three. Uh, speaking of supporting the team, volleyball going to be home on Tuesday night. So as you're listening to this, likely this afternoon... This evening, they'll be playing at home against their big in-state rival, North Dakota State, 7 o'clock. The game's live on Midco SN as well. Uh, volleyball, of course, did not play on Friday because of the cancellation to Denver. They went to Brookings on Sunday. And just just one of those games where they just kind of had a, a tough time getting things going offensively. A good defensive performance, a ton of digs. Uh, Darian Fielkowski playing libero for the first time this season. Had 33 digs, like played great in a position she's not normally accustomed to, but they end up not being able to get the job done against the Jacks, and they fall in four uh, to improve to one and four now in the conference. Yeah, game three uh, was, or set three, uh, was 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 a, uh, a nip and tuck that goes either way. And then uh, maybe you come out of there with a W. So, you know, 
although we're uh, you know one in four in the league, uh, there, there's just a lot of room to grow. I mean, the number of schools got four schools at two and four, and uh, North Dakota State being one of them. So that makes it even uh, that much bigger of a match. On uh, uh, well, it'll be tonight when uh, when folks are hearing this or listening to it uh, on Tuesday. And so uh, yeah, South Dakota's at six and zero, oh, and Fort Wayne's at five and one, and Denver's at three and two, and then the rest. It's boy, it, it's a it's a it's a mad shuffle at that stage. Yeah. So we've just got to kind of figure out, you know, get our groove and, uh, you know, kind of go figure out the bison. Yeah, big game. Uh, NDSU, by the way, the only team to beat Purdue-Fort Wayne this season, and they took USD to five sets, even though the bison only have two wins this season, they, they will pose a test. And North Dakota's had their number in recent seasons. They'll look to continue that coming up on Tuesday at the Betty. And then, by the way, a, a road trip to Tulsa coming up on Friday. So a big rivalry game on Tuesday. And then a big road trip coming up against a pretty decent Oral Roberts team at the weekend. Again, we always talk about those big weeks, moving weeks, UND with three games in the span of six days, a chance to uh, improve their stock and try and give themselves a better chance of making that top six. Because again, top six make the volleyball tournament as opposed to top four on the soccer side. Um, Also, by the way, coming up this week, volleyball on the road this weekend, cross country home. The first and only home meet of the season coming up on Saturday at 1230 at Ray Richards Golf Course. The Ron Penn Classic coming up. So another chance to get out uh, and see Christine Engel's squad in person, maybe for the first time this season. Yeah, you know, and then, uh, you know, this is just uh, as as I guess, uh, as we spoke to her on the pod you're all trying to uh, get to a place until the championships, right, in Fargo. And so uh, just an opportunity. And, you know, meets go pretty quick. So if you're going to get out there, um, for sure, I mean, you want to get out there right when it starts because uh, um, these kids are pretty pretty dang good. Yeah. Are you, a, by the way, at a cross-country meet, are you a finish line guy? Do you prefer, like, trying to get in a golf course or golf cart, excuse me, and try and like go to different spots. What's a good strategy for someone that maybe has not been to a cross country meet before, but wants to go watch. I think I'm a finish line guy. I, I think it's a start. It's, you know, obviously it's a starting and finish normally, right. As it comes around. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's what, what I am, but uh, I've heard some interesting things in cross country. Uh, you know, when you get like out of sight of, vision of folks stuff can happen like really <laughs> i i've heard of some interest trust me i've had some interesting um how should i say topics of conversation at league meetings where things have happened uh where there's no let's just say video do you know what i'm saying i i think i do i mean things can <laughs> maybe somehow you get pushed I mean, that could happen. I mean, that it's, you don't think it's a contact sport. It could be contact. It could be. Oh, for sure. There's, this is, by the way, you, yeah, you track and cross country are not associated with the dark arts as much. But when you're in a crowd of people and you are fighting for every inch on a course or in a longer distance race on a track, you're going to get some of that. There's going to be some kicking and elbowing. And these people are vicious out there. Runners, a lot tougher and meaner than you think. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said, I'm not sure I thought it was going to go this way with a cross country meet, but it is true. I mean, it, it very competitive. And if you can get, you know, if you can get a, uh, you know, do something that gives yourself a little bit of an advantage, just saying, it, I think it has happened before. I it will not you. happen at the Ron Pin Classic. We run a, a very tight ship, <laughs> a very tight ship. Officials at every corner. That's right. That's right. But if you go like into the woods to some degree, things can happen. Yeah. So, just saying. 
1230 is the Ron Pin Classic. Love it. Get out and support. Maybe maybe go pick a spot in the woods. Maybe find a perch in a tree. You'll see some of the nefarious stuff going on. Oh, I love it. Uh, this, by the way, of course, again, the final regular season meet, November the 2nd in Fargo, is the Summit League Championship. So a great tune-up for our kids before they hit the Summit League Championship meet. Uh, anything else on your mind, Bill, from a UND perspective? Anything else going on? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're just knee deep in it right now, right? With the crossover with uh, hockey and, and basketball's coming very, very quickly. And so, uh, um, but no, it should be a, another fun week and a uh, lot of, lot of opportunities still out there for, for all of our programs. So excited to see where we're, where we're going to head. Yeah, certainly. I can't, I can't believe hoops start. I mean, practice is underway. First practices were last week. We had media day. Of course, you were back in Sioux Falls at the Summit League offices, uh, UND women picked to finish sixth, the men picked to finish eighth. But like you said, this is based on what they did last year, basically. A lot of optimism. Really fun to talk with Travis Brewster and Paul Sather about the prospects for their teams ahead. Going to be a fun season on the hardwood. I can't wait to get that going here pretty much in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun for sure. But boy, it, it is happening in a, in a couple of weeks, Alex, for sure. I We always kind of family-wise look at the calendar ahead, two weeks ahead, and I, already trying to navigate, you know, what my, my literal kids do. And so, uh, and try to work some things out. And, and into the mix was, well, there's a home basketball game there. There's a home, you know, and so literally that's, it's come out of my mouth already. So we know we're close. Well, a good chance maybe now to flip over to the B side as we basically flip seasons from from the two-week fall that we had to winter. Uh, I think we should probably start here. Bill Chaves, are the Steelers back? Are, the, are they back after last night? Did you get a chance to watch the Chargers game? And pretty impressive performance by that team last night. You mean the home game? I'm talking about the home game in LA when there were like 19,000 Steelers fans and like 5,000 people that were wearing powder blue. It was They were even playing the Steelers music. I know my favorite part of the game was when uh, when Al Michaels said the Chargers have had gone to, to a silent count. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know. They had to go to a silent count. Yeah, I, you know what? The, the AFC is still open for playoff teams, and obviously they needed to get one on the board. And then they weirdly have three straight home games. Mm-hmm. which doesn't help, honestly, because eventually you're going to have three straight road games. But, uh, yeah, I Hodges looked pretty good, FCS guy. Uh, the uh, Peyton Award winner last year from Samford. And so I thought he looked pretty good. He seemed, you know, he seemed pretty comfortable. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they still have a shot to some degree to, to, to win the division. I, I'm not convinced on Baltimore be honest with you and so um you know like two games behind at this stage but that last week uh losing in overtime still that was a killer yeah if you win that game against the ravens you're tied atop the division and that that changes things a little bit but when you look at the math obviously they're off this week so you get another chance to get devlin hodges more acquainted or maybe get mason rudolph back however that works out with your quarterback you get a chance to get james connor healthy Got kind of he looked really good by the way. James Conner is on my fantasy team, so I've really been paying attention to the Steelers' offense this year. I was encouraged by his usage rate last night. But uh, then you get Miami on Monday Night Football win. That's going to be an emphatic win. The Dolphins. Are Miami terrible. is going to win a game though this year, right? Not maybe, maybe it should have been yesterday. I, it should have been yesterday. That was their opportunity against an equally bad Washington team. No, Miami wants to go zero and sixteen. They're really gunning for that number one pick. But that's going to be a win. Indianapolis actually is is a difficult game, of course, at home the following week. The Rams look like a mess right now. 
That's who you get next. Who knows? Every week, that team's a, a really up-and-down team. But then you get Cleveland on the road on a Thursday night, at Cincinnati the following week, home against Cleveland, at Arizona, who's terrible, even though they won yesterday against an awful Falcons team, and then home to Buffalo, at the terrible Jets, despite the fact that they beat Dallas, and then at Baltimore to finish the season. I think there's a, a pretty realistic path where over these over this stretch... There are seven wins pretty easily in there, and that gets you to nine and seven. And that's a possibility, depending on what happens with this division. Depending on what ends up right. I mean, that's exactly right. It could be one of those years where a nine and seven wins the division. Could. Could happen. Or maybe nine and seven, maybe as a wild card, depending if everyone's beating each other up. Because who would have thought that Kansas City would be where they are right now? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I the one thing I love the stat, one of the stats that I I liked yesterday, um, outside of the fact that it's really not a stat that the Chargers had to go to a silent count, but I thought mm-hmm. I liked that. But then I also liked if the Jets had found a way to lose, which. Yeah, they can't tried to try to get that done, but they didn't. Uh, is the Patriots would have played five winless teams in their first seven? <laughs> That's a great stat, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, the Steelers were winless, but then let's keep going down their path. It is incredible. The uh, they're like they're like you know, in a sense, the, a, a team in the non-power five that is really good, but they only have to load up. Are, a, a certain amount of times. Are you comparing them to like Central Florida right now? Are the Patriots the Central Florida of the NFL? Is that what? It would appear over the time that Brady and Belichick, and really it's because of them that they have really put the other three in a in a weird place. Like they've, they're they so in their head, not even in the football field, I think in the front offices. Would you say? I'd say so. I think it's sort of a similar mentality that we saw in the NBA a couple of seasons ago when everybody just assumed Golden State was going to win the championship. So everybody was basically saying, well, let's just not even worry about this season. Let's just forget this season. Let's focus on like 2021. And teams started literally planning ahead because they just seemed like there was no hope. All of these teams have been in that mold realistically for like 15 years. I mean, obviously the Jets have had moments and, you know, the Bills had a, had a, a couple of playoff runs, et cetera, but... All these teams know they're not going to win the division and they know they're not going to win it next year or the year after that. So it's like, let's just let's not even worry about this and let's try and focus on being better when Belichick and Brady retires. I don't think that's exactly how it's gone, but Miami certainly is in that boat realistically the way that they're tanking this season. Yeah, the the, the uh, you would have thought at some point there was a for sure a vacuum to be the number two team in that division on a consistent basis. And what you've gotten really is the Patriots in really three last place teams. I mean, you had the Jets for a couple of years, I think, made back to back AFC championship games, right? Mark Sanchez. Yeah, the Rex Ryan era. Yeah. And yeah. so really, you know, Rex Ryan gets it to some degree, you know, beat up in some way, shape or form. But he, he's had the best run, I think, during the Brady Belichick era. Give these guys credit. I mean, they just win games and they're, you know, always figuring out how to change up what they do on a week to week basis. But holy cow. I mean, it has been not great for other other uh, teams in the AFC to have to deal with that, knowing they pretty much are going five and one, six and oh every year. Injuries are starting to catch up with them a little bit. If you watch that Thursday night game, you know, they've 
They've had, you know, three starters on the offensive line go down. None are season-ending injuries, but they've had to reshuffle there. They lost their fullback, James Devlin, who's a big part of what that team does offensively. He's done, or at least he's done for an extended period of time. He's on IR. Their receiving core is really banged up. Edelman's got, clearly the man has broken ribs and is still going out and playing. Uh, Josh Gordon had kind of a scary knee injury after he broke a finger in his hand early in the season. He's probably out for a week or two. They just don't have a ton of weapons right now. It just doesn't feel like. And their defense, incredibly, their defense and their special teams have carried them. They had another special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown in that win against the Giants. That was a 14-all contest. Really, you know, later than people would expect before they kind of turned it on. You know what's weird? And again, maybe Miami aside, because I really don't know what, in a sense, they're doing, although they, I think, they're tried losing. to win. They're I know they're losing, losing a lot. But, but you forget how talented these 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 guys are and and and, and at the end of it all it's one week you just never know what's going to happen the next week and, and it's just it's interesting to me i i you know it's still an nfl team and you got to come to play or else you're going to get you're going to get beat and uh it's just been impressive what they've been able to do and i think i'm just beyond it now i mean i and much like whenever the steelers and patriots play and my my buddies don't even get a hold of me anymore because it's not worth it. It's like I'm in the same mode. I just assume they're going to win every week and that's how it goes. So that's, there you go. That's how I live my life. Let's talk Yankees losing. Yes. Yes. That was next on my list. That is fun. That is fun. <laughs> I'm in nothing like a good extra inning loss too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's really just suck down the bullpen and sap morale a little bit. I, I was surprised because obviously New York, you know, we can do our postmortem on the twins and you know, they, they, they didn't put up much of a fight, but it's, you know, they obviously cruised through that series, the Yankees do, and then they looked obviously very good in game one and kind of dominated that game against the Astros. But I was happy to see Houston put up a little bit of a fight and a little comeback yesterday or, or whatever day that was. That, that's a, I think, well, yeah, yesterday, right? I'm in a, in, a, in a fog about the weather and what they had actually is, but one to one now, you know, it's, it's all kind of back up for grabs again between those two. Well, you ended up having to go five against the Rays, and that I think impacted a little bit. Uh, you know, I it, it felt like Houston was extended against the Rays, whereas the Nationals played a game five, but they were the ones. Uh, how should I say, with the momentum, and yeah. they carried it straight into St. Louis, whereas Houston almost kind of survived Tampa. And then they kind of took a deep breath, and and it didn't have obviously Verlander or Cole starting game one, and so it's almost like giving away a set like Djokovic does. You know, Djokovic <laughs> does that in a major, right? He just, eh, I'm down a break, I'm not winning this set. All right, six two, and then he comes back and does his thing. But it kind of felt like that's what the Astros did, but they needed last night. Now they go to New York. And now the pressure kind of can go back to the Yankees a little bit at this stage. Now Houston, Houston's in the series, if you will. Cole versus Severino coming up on Tuesday afternoon. Big game. That's a big swing game. You know, that game three typically has a big say in what's going to happen. I love the way you described that, by the way, because it really was how it felt. Houston did survive and just just got, obviously they, they won comfortably in game five, but to get to that point and know you're one, you're nine innings away from being eliminated when you are an overwhelming favorite to move on, you know, that kind of does something to a team. Whereas you said the nationals, nobody was picking Washington to do anything this year, period, let alone make it to the postseason. They have to win a wild card game, which they do. Then they have to beat a Dodger team that had won 106 games this year. And everybody expected to be in the world series again. And they do it in the way they did. 
they have absolutely used that as a springboard to come in and go up 2 nothing. Just to make the playoffs. Yeah. I think they, they had to, you know, and uh, let's even go back further. They lost Bryce Harper. Yeah. So, so really, it's, they, they've probably been doubted. In, st- in a weird way, they were kind of always this team. Why haven't they made a run, right? Almost like the Capitals. And so they're almost having a Capital-like run right now. Yeah, feels that way. Washington, all of a sudden, besides the, the poor Redskins, pretty good. Uh, well, and the Wizards. The poor Wizards are terrible, too. Never mind. Half of Washington, D.C. Is, is, is effectively you know, moving up the ranks. Well, the Mystics won, right? There you go. That's the other one. So three-fifths of the D.C. Metro sports scene. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Congratulations, Washington Mystics. Big win. Big uh, WWE. Elena Deladon, big fourth quarter. Yeah, she's she's a good basketball player. She's a great basketball player. She's excellent. But yeah, uh, it was um, it was interesting for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, it's it feels like sometimes these teams can get on a run right now. The Nationals, they're dangerous. I mean, they're one of those teams that whew, maybe, maybe they're just uh, just peaking at the right time. And they've got that little that little mojo going. Yeah, up 2-0 and coming home. I mean, getting to in St. Louis. So we'll see. I, you know, now all of a sudden, do, do they? It, it's it's always fun to see how the psyches change and how the the narrative changes. Now, Washington obviously is kind of a heavy favorite to move on to the World Series. You're up to nothing coming back home. Does that change how they approach things? Like, do you sort of start to feel a little more pressure? Like, okay, now we should we should take two or three at home and get the job done. Are, you would think so. All of a sudden, saying, uh, who, know, who knows how all this plays out? But you are right, though, with the Bryce Harper thing. They were the ultimate nobody believes in this team entering this season. And now Soto has been phenomenal and their pitching has been great. And you are two games away from being in a World Series for the first time in your franchise's history. It's incredible. Should be interesting. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's really probably the George Costanza series, right? The Astros and Yankees. But go Astros. <laughs> go Astros. <laughs> George Lakes is chicken spicy, doesn't he? I got it. Yeah, I could go in a different direction with Seinfeld too, but I, I, well, maybe for another pod. I'm, I'm fine with that. The last thing is, we just love a good international break, don't we? Mm. Do we? No. <laughs> no. Can we figure that out? I mean, is this like between World Cups, is it? Like really necessary, all all of the soccer that's being played on an international level. You know, I mean, are these like point type games? Is that how it works, Alex? Well, so now what we're in right now is half of these teams are playing in European qualifying. So UEFA, the European governing body of soccer, has the Euros every four years. And that's coming up in 2020. So the European teams are playing in these qualifying matches for Euro 2020. The U.S. And, and some of the teams in North America are playing in what's, uh, what's called the CONCACAF Nations League, where you're playing each other. And it, it kind of matters, I guess, but not really. Um, so the U.S. is in a group with Cuba and Canada, and they beat Cuba 7-0 the other day. So nice, that, you know, much like North Dakota hockey, nice to get some goals, and nice to feel good you know, about yourself and see some young kids scoring and playing well. But realistically, you know... The Euros matter. That's a big deal. Um, nothing else that's happening really makes any difference. It's a lot of international friendlies with South American and Asian clubs and clubs from Africa that are kind of taking a break because they just got done with with their big Africa Cup of Nations this past summer. And 
And uh, basically, yeah, most, most the easy answer is these games don't really matter. And we're just sort of twiddling our thumbs and buying our time until the weekend when the Premier League comes back. Yeah, but doesn't it seem like based on performance or previous performances in these types of tournaments, you should automatically, let's say, qualify for the next one. And then maybe there's a group of countries that have to sort of allow themselves to play their way into that tournament. So almost kind of like the, the bigger countries should not have to go through this if they've been in it before. They could play their way out of it during the tournament itself and then have to go into qualifying. But to kind of have to pause, it is challenging. I mean, the, 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 that's been, I guess, the most enlightening thing watching soccer is how much mileage is put on these guys and the top players in the world that boy you you talk about load management and and putting things on their odometer and and you know it's a physical game i mean it's a really physical trying game they've done different things to try and make these international matches matter or try and drum up interest for it and try and make it so Basically, they're trying to justify it because it does make money for the Federation. I mean, that's kind of how this works. Like you sort of play these international friendlies or these qualifiers and that money that you get from the gates and and from everything that surrounds these games helps fund soccer in your country. So there's a purpose for it. But like you said, it just the interest really isn't isn't really there. And there are more important things going on. And it's too much at the end of the day. I don't know. I just... I love soccer. You do too. But this is, it's probably too much. You have to kind of pick and choose. And it just sort of feels like you're wasting the, I don't want to say the best years, but you're, you're, these guys only have so many miles on their legs, you know, and in their bodies. And it feels like we're just kind of like, yeah, throwing them away. And guys get hurt. Neymar's out for like four to six weeks with a thigh strain because of his duty with Brazil this past week. Those things happen a lot. And it really screws up your club season. Who's really paying these guys outside of their sponsors? You know, I'm sure they're getting a lot in a, from an endorsement standpoint when you're one of the top players in the world. But certainly your clubs are paying and then they're paying dearly when all of a sudden you're out for six weeks. Yeah. It's just it, it, it's difficult. But, you know, um, anyways, all that to be said, uh, here's what I'll tell you. I, I saw the good news is my son's team, Carolina Panthers fan. He mm. we actually watched a team that he liked watch win in Tottenham stadium, which was good. <laughs> that was good to watch a team that, that is, is being rooted for in the Chaves household, win a game in that beautiful palatial place. And, uh, Watford, um, better figure out the Sir Elton Johns this week. Mm, they're coming in. That would be a tough, tough pill to swallow. Yeah. They're coming in hot bill Saturday morning, nine o'clock. You get the Hornets. It's going to be a an important match for the Spurs. Got to get got to get three points in that one. Got to stem this the uh, the bleeding a little bit. So big weekends, a couple days away, should be a lot of fun. I wish you the best of luck. Who does Liverpool have? Uh, we get Man United actually at Old Trafford. Sp- speaking of of bleeding, that team is that the international break came at the right time for Ole Gunnar Skolshar because they're they're in a world of hurt right now. So Liverpool hopefully catching them at the right time to just. 
So literally, literally, are they hurt, I mean, injured, or are they just struggling? It's, it's both. They've got some guys that are banged up. They have no forwards right now. Marcus Rashford is the only healthy forward that Man United has. So that's, you know, they, they've just played very poorly over the last month and a half or so and haven't been getting the results. And I want it, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can look it up, but I feel like they're a bottom half of the table club right now. And it's early still. But there's, they're, yeah, they're 12th right now in the league um, on nine, nine points through eight games. That's not great. That's not great for Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. So yeah. I can't talk. My, yeah. my, I, 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 we're, I haven't heard, I haven't read many articles on them recently, which is a good thing. No news is good news. Yeah. Less news is the best news for them. <laughs> Just show up on Saturday and figure it out. Oh, man, That's well, it. Let's we'll see what they do. I mean, the Carolina Panthers did well on their yard, so we'll see. Maybe you can sign Christian McCaffrey to a, to a one-way deal or something like that to get a little help here. The last thing I'll say, and then we sign off, is is it really does seem like the Red Sox are trying to cut payroll. I've read I've read a number of things that they're really – trying to figure that out obviously the Mookie Betts questions out there so I don't know be interesting to see every day I wake up and there's like a little bit of me I would I shouldn't say every day but there are some mornings when I'm like scared a little bit to open up like my my notifications or my ESPN app or whatever just to see because I'm you're worried that there's going to be bad news now I'm like dreading bad news regarding Mookie Betts kind of on a daily basis now and there it's not nothing's going to happen for a while but all the reports are that they are they're changing how they do business, even after they signed Evaldi and they 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 signed a lot of guys, sale of course to long term contracts, and money seemed like it was no object last off season, and now we're just kind of changing course when the guys that we really probably should sign are coming up. I just it's it's frustrating for a team that makes a load of money. Unless they get blown away by an offer for bets in the offseason, there's no reason to really trade them. You could trade them at the deadline if you wanted to. If you felt like you were not going in the right direction, someone probably would give you a boatload to be that, to be, to get him to, to that, that may propel you to win the whole darn thing. So, and even if it's a rental in some way, shape, or form. So, I don't know. It, 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 they've got an interesting offseason. That's for sure. As far as I know, David Price is still on the team too, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So they did wish the official Red Sox Twitter account wished Mookie a happy 27th birthday the other day. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just. He's a good bowler too. He's a, he's just a heck of a nice guy as well. They just got to, they got to keep that guy. They got to find a way. 27 years old, best outfielder in baseball outside of Mike Trout. Keep, keep him, please. Yeah. I'd say you're always trying to groom the next Mookie Betts and you have Mookie Betts. You have him. You have him in the in the prime of his career. Yeah. So, and I know he's going to get a boatload of dollars, and I, I get it. But I, that's a team you, we should never have to worry about from that standpoint. No. You would think. You would think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, <laughs> go Astros. <laughs> go Astros. Go go Costanza, right? <laughs> oh, man. Bill, appreciate, appreciate you, buddy. Hopefully there's less headaches this week in terms of weather for you. I think there will be. Let's hope so. It's supposed to be 75 and sunny, someone told me, on Saturday night at 5 o'clock in San Luis Obispo. <laughs> I'm sure that guy's always right. Feels like a good time to sign off right now. Uh, Sounds good. Take care, Alex. On behalf of Bill Shaves, our producer, Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Siner. Thanks again for listening. Have a great sunny week here, mid-October. Take care.